0: As China's influence grows, the Pacific has become a diplomatic battleground, with Beijing negotiating security and economic deals with several Pacific Island nations. Right now, China is in talks on a security deal with Australia's closest neighbour, Papua New Guinea, whose Prime Minister yesterday addressed Federal Parliament, the first Pacific Nation leader to do so. Pat Conroy is Australia's Minister for International Development and the Pacific and also the Minister for Defence Industry and joins us on the program. Pat Conroy, welcome. Morning, PK. PNG's Foreign Minister said he's delivered assurances to Australia around negotiations with Beijing. What are those assurances?
1: Well, I, uh, as a rule, I don't uh, disclose confidential discussions with foreign governments, but I'll pointing to his public statements where he has said that uh, they are, the PNG government is committed to its traditional security partners, which are Australia and the United States. And he said he was dispelling the misinformation that PNG is entering into a security cooperation with China. So those are the direct words from the Papua New Guinea government. And we're privileged to be the primary security partner for Papua New Guinea. And I'm very confident we'll continue to do so.
0: He also told the ABC that China is trying to pursue agreements like the one with PNG all over the Pacific. Are you aware of who's in negotiations?
1: Well, we've been very upfront with the Australian people that there is a huge geostrategic competition going on in the Pacific and that's why uh, the Albanese Labor government has, has done so much in the Pacific. That's why we've had a record number of visits. That's why Prime Minister Marope, uh addressed Parliament because we want to be the partner of choice for the Pacific and we've been very clear that uh, other countries are interested and we're uh, very, very active in this area.
0: The Prime Minister says he hopes that the day will come when the people of PNG can cheer for their own NRL team. When will that happen?
1: Well, that's ultimately a decision for the National Rugby League. Uh, We are supporting uh, uh, the work of the PNG uh, consortium that is bidding for a franchise. And I've made a number of announcements around funding support for that $5.5 million to grow the uh, player of excellence pathway in PNG. And I announced uh, funding yesterday for the PNG Hunters to continue in the Queensland Cup and to establish a women's competition in Papua New Guinea, which is critical to them entering the NRL women's uh, comp. This will do more than anything else to bring the peoples of our two countries together, and it's something that both prime ministers have said they want to see happen, and I'm incredibly enthusiastic about it.
0: Yeah, you said it, the ha- it's in the NRL's hands. What mm. have they told you?
1: Well, we're, we're obviously working with the NRL, and they're working with the the consortium bid to, to see whether it can line up. They appreciate... Um, the the interest of the Australian government and the support we've shown rugby league, uh, not just in Papua New Guinea but uh, around. Uh, the Pacific and they understand that this is a great way of bringing the people of the Pacific and the Australian people closer together. I uh, represented the government at the Prime Minister's 13 match in Port Moresby uh, last year and in the stadium was only 15,000 the atmosphere was bigger than any state of origin or grand final and it will be um, a, a great initiative that will bring our two peoples together and help ensure that Australia remains the partner of choice. for so Papua New Guinea, our closest neighbour and dearest friend and someone who Prime Minister Marape said was family last yesterday.
0: Last month, Pacific Nation Tuvalu held an election and their parliament is yet to pick a new prime minister. But there's plenty of concern that the new government could actually switch the nation's allegiance from Taiwan to China. Are you confident they won't do that?
1: Well... Of the um, Pacific Island Forum nations who have diplomatic powers, so excluding the French territories, 13 of the 16 nations recognise the People's Republic of China, including Australia. Three recognised Taiwan. And we've got good relationships with all those countries. Ultimately, it's a decision for the Tuvalu government. But uh, we're very focused on uh, implementing the Fali Pili Treaty, which uh, is the most significant announcement in the Pacific by an Australian government since supporting PNG independence. This will bring the people of Tuvalu and Australia closer together. It is truly historic. And uh, we're very focused on... um, working to implement that agreement. And ultimately, uh, questions around diplomatic recognition are a question for the Tuvaluan government.
0: This morning, you're announcing a funding boost for the next generation collaborative combat aircraft known as the Ghostbat. Just explain to our listeners what that aircraft is.
1: Well, the Ghostbat is the most advanced uh, a drone in the world, and uh, I almost feel like calling it a drone is a disservice. It's a collaborative combat aircraft, so it's an uncrewed aircraft that is the size of a fighter jet, and it's being designed and made in Australia and has the ability to team up with. Um, our Air Force assets to protect them as decoys to go in advance of them and provide targeting data so that a Super Hornet or an uh, F-35 Joint Strike Fighter can strike a target without going into missile range of the defensive system. So this is groundbreaking um, uh, technology and I will be announcing shortly a further investment by the Albanese Labor Government. Um, uh, successfully implementing uh, a commitment from the Defence Strategic Review and demonstrating that this government uh, is incredibly committed to the defence of the nation.
0: Eight planes have been produced and have been undergoing testing. What's the next step then and and when will these be ready for combat?
1: Well, uh, without getting ahead of the announcement, um, I will be announcing a further three, Block 2, which will be more advanced. And the goal is that these will be ready for a capability demonstration Uh, exercise next year for the Royal Australian Air Force, um, which will really help establish how capable these are and the manner in which we would like to deploy them. So it's a great day for Australian defence industry. It's a great day for the defence of the nation and it demonstrates our strong commitment in defence.
0: It is the first military combat aircraft to be designed, developed and manufactured in Australia for more than 50 years. What kind of advantage do they give us and, and, and what do you plan for them to be used for?
1: Well, it gives us the advantage of being able to respond during a design process rather than having to send something back to uh, uh, a foreign country when we establish something in the field, there's a feedback very quickly to the advanced scientists and engineers uh, designing them at Fisherman's Bend in Melbourne where we used to make aircraft during World War II. So that gives us a really organic design process. And in terms of their future deployment, that's why that capability demonstration exercise next year will be critical just to understand how advanced they are and what they can do. But a couple of examples of where they can be used is they compare with a joint strike fighter and emit signals so that they appear like they're another joint strike fighter uh, to an enemy radar, which means that um, they can act as a decoy. And as I said, they can be in advance of a, a strike group from the Air Force, collect the targeting data of where possible enemy ships are so that our planes never have to go into range of the enemy's defences. Um, weapons so these are all things it's much better to risk uh, a, a, an autonomous aircraft that costs 10 percent of a crude aircraft uh, at, let alone risking the life of a pilot um, and the huge investment we've made in that person so this is a great day for the royal australian air force so how many
0: of these ghost bats are flying how many have been delivered and and do they really cost a tenth of the price of the f-35 jet
1: That's the production goal. Obviously, we're in the early days of the demonstration phase. Uh, Eight have been produced. Uh, Today's announcement will be for another three. Um, And this is the critical path. During the developmental phase, obviously, you don't produce lots. You want to develop iterations of them as you do the upgrades to them, as you learn from uh, trial uh, trialling them. And then the goal is when they get into a production phase, if government makes that decision, that we can produce them or the company okay. producing them can produce them at 10% mm-hmm. of the cost of a uh, crewed aircraft.
0: Minister, there are rumours that a mid-air collision involving Ghostbat last year, which kept the aircraft out of flying operations for nearly a year. What do you know about that?
1: I'm not aware of those allegations, so um, I've got nothing to add to that.
0: When you say not aware of those allegations, are you saying it's not accurate?
1: Well, what I'm saying to you is that uh, I haven't heard those reports, and so it'd be uh, speculation to be commenting on them.
0: Okay, the original announcement said these drones would have operational capacity in 2025. When are they now expected to to be operational?
1: again we inherited this project from the last government and uh, like most things in defense from the last government they promised a lot and failed to deliver the next phase for us is a capability demonstration phase next year which will demonstrate how capable they are and then we will look at whether uh, we want to produce them in quantities to equip the royal australian air force that's the prudent way of doing this where you de-risk a a developmental project that has risk because you're doing things at the leading edge around the world. This is the way we protect taxpayers' money while ensuring the Royal Australian Air Force gets the best capabilities in the world.
0: Minister, just a couple of other questions. Has Australia stopped exporting military equipment to Israel?
1: Uh, We are not exporting military equipment to Israel. Whoever's claiming this is wrong, we do not export military equipment at the moment to Israel.
0: Approvals to export Australian-made military equipment to Israel are being stalled. It's been reported by the government around concerns. The ABC has revealed that several applications made to the Defence Department's weapons export regulator have remained unanswered since the Israel-Gaza war began in early October. So there is a program.
1: Well, again, that that program uh, uh, approvals for those lie between the Department of Defence and the Deputy Prime Minister, not me. But what I can assure your listeners is that we are not exporting weapons to Israel. But, for okay, the so end not of story. weapons. That is a factual statement.
0: Okay, so what are you what are you exporting then? What is it?
1: Well, we're not exporting um, weapons or military systems. We are not exporting anything of that nature. What? To na-
0: okay, so what is the nature then?
1: Were you asking me to talk about a negative? We are not exporting military weapons, things like bombs, things like that, to Israel.
0: So I'm saying, what is sent? Can you describe? Well,
1: I'm not Nothing. aware of anything that's being sent to Israel at the moment. At the moment, um, we we could be exporting commercial equipment for all I know from commercial vendors. That's not in the purview or the department of defence. But what I'm saying to you is, we are not. But if there, weapons. it doesn't.
0: Sorry, just it doesn't make sense to me because there are applications by Israel that are being stalled. How can, how can it be the case that there is nothing? Well, I've, I've nothing? seen that
1: speculation, but again, that is not in my purview, so I have nothing to add to that. All I can say to you is we are not exporting weapons to Israel. There's a system that deals with applications for every country who seeks to buy military weapons. For, uh, from Australia that requires permission from the Department of Defence. But what I can say to you is that we are not exporting weapons to Israel. That's a factual statement.
0: Okay. Just finally, there are reports of a rift between you and the Deputy Prime Minister and the Defence Department. The budget is reportedly a key tension. Is the Department ignoring the findings of the strategic, the Defence Strategic Review?
1: Look, we've made it clear that uh, we expect excellence from the Department of Defence and that the department is on a journey. Uh, And it's on a journey because we need to repair the culture and the damage that was done under nine and a half years of coalition governments where they had six ministers in nine years under Peter Dudden, there were 28 major projects running 97 years late and $6.5 billion over budget. So we've made no secret that we were um, intent on reforming defence and expect excellence from the Department. Uh, And um, I've got to say we've got the full support of the defence leadership as we go through that process. But the taxpayers of Australia would expect us to demand the best possible performance from all government departments, but especially the Department of Defence, given um, the amount of money expended and the critical importance of defending our nation.
0: Minister, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, TK. Have Uh, a good morning. You too.
0: The Minister for International Development and the Pacific and the Minister for Defence Industry joining us there, and you're listening to Breakfast.